Welcome to It's Not About the Money, a podcast in search of grounded fundraising. I'm Heather, and together with my co-host, Andy, we look beyond the quick tips and formulas. Join us as we explore the nuance and complexity of ministry fundraising. If you want to thrive in partner development, not just survive it, this is the place for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are recapping the episode with Steve Shadrach, and we have invited another special guest in today to help us with that. Andy, tell us more. Yeah, we have Mr. Andrew Nickel with us. <laughs> he is someone that we've asked to join us for a couple of reasons. First of all, he has been on support himself. He's raised his own support. He was We kind of joked about this, born into support. He lived on the field in Russia with his family for many years since he was a a wee lamb. A wee lad. A wee lamb. (laughs) And I just know what it's like to grow up in that situation. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what that was like. He's also, he said, kind of on the cusp between a Generation Z and a millennial. Right. So also a kind of a younger voice compared to, to Heather and myself. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Yeah. It, my parents have, have been raising support even individually before they met. And then even before, obviously they had me as well. And so I was joking with Andy earlier that I, I am kind of a product of, of donor relations, mm. um, both from my parents raising support and keeping that network informed and, and yeah, just close. That network knew a lot about me, even though if I didn't know them because mm. they were supporting our family. But then when I stepped in to raise my own support to go on staff with crew, those relationships with those donors um, really carried over to my support team as well, because those those people supported me as mm. well. And yeah. so just kind of a 20 plus years of donor relations uh-huh. led to, to me being fully funded too, which is incredible. A shout out to taking good care of your donors. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out. Well, and God's intentionality in the people he brings into your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andrew, we are really glad to have you and your voice and your perspective as part of this conversation. So uh, we'd like to get started with just kind of asking the question, what stood out? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing that stood out from the episode was, man, 22 inches for a rainbow trout (laughs) is big. That is, that's. Record setting. I know. It feels, yeah. I know. It's, you know. It's good eating. It was a great flex by Steve to yeah. start the pod. Yeah. Um, no, but but more on a serious note, I, I really appreciated what Steve said about the idea of, obviously, like the title of this podcast, it's not about the money. Mm. That being about vision and relationship. Mm. That being such mm. a core piece to what the fundraising experience is all about. Um, and even the specific quote that I, I wrote down and in talking about mobilizing people, your network. And if if you don't mobilize that network that God's given you, then they will not be mobilized. Because mm-hmm. just if you're looking at statistics mm-hmm. and odds, it's like, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so that was such a cool, yeah, thought to hear about you mobilizing your network in order to do kingdom mm-hmm. work is a form of ministry. Mm-hmm. Like that is such a cool um, idea and paradigm there. I love that you brought that up. I actually had very similar things that stood out to me. And I love that he said, there is a strong similarity between fundraising and evangelism. He said, there's unbelievable similarities between the two. And I like how he said, it's important to find the balance between kind of assertiveness, being able to read the room, and then also being too vague. And I think 
that's true in fundraising. I also think it's true in evangelism. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared, but you also have to approach it on the individual level. Yeah, and receive and act from the Spirit in those moments. Right. Yeah. Be prepared, but it's not mechanical, right? You have to listen well, and every interaction is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going back to something that Michael Card said, there's just not a program. You know, Jesus interacted with people uh, very differently. So I think that we can expect that our meeting with people can look very different as well and mm -hmm. not like a formula or a program. Yeah. To go back to what Andrew mentioned just around the mobilizing your network, I want to read a bit of an expanded quote from that section mm -hmm. and then and then go from there. Yeah. But here you are face-to-face -face with the potential mobilizing 100 believers to not only start to understand, but pray and give towards the Great Commission. Most of them would have never been mobilized if you had not taken that step to do that. So don't view support raising as a necessary evil. I view it as the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, customized opportunity that God has given you to mobilize this precious network around you to really engage in the person and purposes of Jesus Christ on this planet. Mm. I love that. And honestly— you know, kind of going back to another conversation we recently had with Carissa, she talked about how for years, how many years, 15 years, she had been working in a role. Almost 20. Almost yeah. 20. Yeah. yeah. She had been working in a role that really just positioned her to serve a very specific group of people. And then when it came time for her to seek partners and to go, she said that she had funding almost before she could ask for it because of this network, this mm -hmm. group of people that she had been placed within and had been cultivating relationship with. And so for the reason you mentioned, Andrew, just that, you know, statistically, if we don't, if we're not engaging the people around us towards God's mission, is anybody else? I mean, I think that's a great question, but just also thinking of God's intentionality, right? Like where you are, what you're doing, even if it feels like it's totally disconnected from a call you may have in the future or something you've done in the past, I just think it's so grounding to remember mm -hmm. that God mm -hmm. has purpose and that when we are just walking in obedience to him, he's, he's doing it. He's doing the work. He's, he's sowing the seeds. He's preparing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to that point of that intentionality of that network, I think one of the things I got to see when, when I was fundraising as, as a younger guy, kind of in that Gen Z, you know, maybe younger millennial mm -hmm. age frame most of the people I had meetings with were older generations and they were so encouraged to see one, they were encouraged that as a young guy, I was still connected to faith, um, that I was still involved in, in meaningful ways. Mm -hmm. And then I was so involved in faith that I was willing to have this appointment with them and, and to talk to them about the vision that I felt like God had given me for the ministry mm -hmm. and, and that that was a chance for me to minister to them and, and kind of encourage them and say like, hey, yeah, there's a next generation wanting to take that torch. That's cool. Yeah, I, I love that you that you brought that up because for me, it takes the focus off of fundraising itself and recasts it as mobilization. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that takes it off of myself mm, as well. Mm -hmm. It's not about me and my needs and my expenses. It's about mobilizing this group of people. And just the realization that God has given each of us unique networks and unique connections. There might be some overlap sometimes, but a lot of times you could be the only person that's mobilizing that particular group. I love that highlight. And I think the result is because of fundraising, uh, you are forced, for lack of a better word, to reconnect to your church. 
and to your community. And I think, man, I think we so need that uh, because we see so much disconnection Mm -hmm. in the society around us right now. And I think we're trying to solve that as our in our congregations, and uh, maybe fundraising can really help that. Actually, mm, yeah, a way to bring people together again, right? right. And, yeah. and as a result, like uh, not a side benefit at all, but we're turning our hearts back towards our community, and we're also uh, able very tangibly to refocus on the Great Commission. Mm. Uh, it's kind of easy to get focused on our our local, what's going on in the area or whatever in our lives. And I don't think that happens if you don't have fundraising in this in this case, or it's harder for it to happen. And because of that, I think it's also easy to see why the enemy would oppose this. Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a later episode, too. Yeah, we are. Yeah. It's coming up with Dr. Moreau. That's right. Yeah. Something else that stood out to me that I'd love to discuss with you guys is just him identifying there is no one successful support raiser. Yeah. You know, Andy and I... Um, I feel like we talk a lot about how it's not a formula. You don't have to be a certain way. God calls all kinds of people into the space of seeking out partners. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that's true. Yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts? You know, I love that he he kind of helped to break down, like, you don't have to be a a, a joke-telling, back-slapping, good old boy. <laughs> use like, car salesman. Use car salesman. Yeah, yeah. salesman, like, lighting up the room. And actually, and I've, I've seen this too, I would agree with him, like, sometimes... The people that are a little quieter, a little more intentional, um, can really take it more seriously and really value that one-on-one time with a donor. And so they're they're automatically, intuitively in that one-on-one individual mode. Mm-hmm. And that can really be a benefit. Totally agree. <laughs> and and then I guess kind of piggybacking off of that, something else he said that stood out to me was it really comes down to character more than personality. Right. And that reminded me of a prior conversation we've had in just talking about, you know, different uh, figures we see in the Bible and maybe from some metrics they had influence or they had success, but then from others, I mean, their li- their personal lives were a total mess, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. and just really thinking about, you know, people are looking at, at your character yeah, more so than whether you're an introvert or extrovert yeah. or charismatic. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. What else? Mr. Nickel. I think I totally agree with that sentiment as well. And just, yeah, being more on the extroverted side myself, Mm -hmm. right? And kind of wanting to woo or wanting to kind of convince someone that their their money and their time and prayers are worth it for my ministry was Mm -hmm. something I kind of had to to wrestle with in in good ways, I think, where when I was doing it, like I think there was a there's a pressure to like, oh, I I have to make sure this time is worth it. And, Mm -hmm. And it's all about how am I presenting myself and is this is this going to look good? Is this going to be, you know, almost like a sales presentation? And I think refocusing, um, which I think Steve mentioned, but just refocusing and, and just he mentions it in the God Ask a lot, mm. that it, you're not, I'm not the one asking, God is asking, you mm. know, and, and God's already at work here in, in the ministry that, you know, I'm going to be a part of. And it's kind of like, do you want to be a part of that with me? Mm-hmm. And that partnership aspect yeah. was was so key for me to understand. Yeah. Yeah, I love that he talked about, I mean, in, in your regular life, you can be some bold, competent person, but then all of a sudden you're sitting in a support appointment and you just kind of melt. And it, it really brings you to a moment of not crisis, but kind of a moment of just humbling. Yeah, humility mm. is what and, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. and vulnerability and it comes back to this idea that we've been talking about, like fundraising is formative. Mm-hmm. 
right? It's it's uncomfortable, but maybe that's precisely the reason that we should be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a unique opportunity that draws out things that the Lord is ready to work on, mm-hmm. you know? Andrew, I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on the whole social media thing. We don't have to spend a lot of time, but maybe you have a different uh, perspective. Yeah, no, I, I think the the majority of the sentiment, I totally agree with Steve. And, and just that if you're throwing on your Facebook post or your Instagram page, like, hey, I'm doing this thing, like one sentence, and here's a button to go, like, go fund me or, mm. or whatever that mm-hmm. is. I, I, I think I totally agree that that's, that's just not going to work. Yeah. And that piece of, of having those one-on-one conversations and, and being able to cast vision in that way and then ask in that way is, is definitely more effective. I would say that I think social media can be a useful tool to arrive at those face-to-face meetings. Sure. It can be a great way to get the okay. word out. And it can be tastefully done um, where that's going to come across people's feeds and and people you care follow you. And you can kind of almost be primer for another point of contact or mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like. But but yeah, I, I think I agree with Steve in the fact that it's if you're throwing a, hey, here's the link to, to go fund me on your Instagram page. I don't think you're going to have a lot of success with and that. And that's all you're doing. Yes. Like, right. Yeah. That's you're asking, all you're doing. You're exactly. asking that to carry all the weight for you. Yep. Even if you have a thousand followers, people don't really respond to that a lot of times. No. Right. Yeah. And it feels like the question you're asking is, what's the least I can do and still get funded? <laughs> like that's the easiest thing to do, right? Make a, make a post what you're doing already every day. Totally. And I, and I yeah. think one thing maybe in my generation struggles with is is kind of having that like, I can put something, I can post something to thousands of people, but once you get in a room mm. and it's just the two of us, it's harder to communicate that. And it's harder to, yeah. to not hide behind that, that wall and the, the internet, I guess. And so I think that can yeah. be maybe a challenge point for maybe people around my age and my generation of like, yes, post that thing on your Instagram page and be bold about it. Cause that I think does take faith and can be scary to really, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And throwing it out there, but also follow it up with, but I, I want to take the time to have those one-on-one meetings, have, you know, those times where I can explain the vision of my ministry in more than just a sentence post online. Right. Cause if, if it's just a sentence post online, it's hard for it not to feel like it is just about the money. Perhaps. yeah. Yeah. It is far more vulnerable to sit down in an embodied way with a person face to face and declare need or invite them into something when Mm. they may say no, and that would be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's way more vulnerable. But you know, Andy, another thought I have, it may be people take the path of social media because it's the path of least resistance, but I would encourage anybody with any of these principles, just be curious. Why why does it feel more comfortable to me to put this on social media versus to contact people individually? Why does that seem like the best option? Mm. If we kind of view the way we view the world as like glasses that we're wearing, take Mm -hmm. them off, think about what's informed that and maybe it's something broken about what you believe about God or something you believe mm-hmm. about yourself or something yeah. you believe about other people. Mm. And it's in that kind of being curious, asking questions, trying to get to that, that I think it really unlocks a deeper area of growth mm. on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. Do, take some time to do some self-evaluation, self-reflection, yeah. pull on that thread a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I also want to clarify and jump in that, that, 
often I, I think that can be a step of faith in, in posting something that everyone in your community or network mm. is going to see. Sure. And, and I know um, just working with college students for for several years and, and being in that journey with them, like that's a big deal mm-hmm. to kind of out yourself, maybe even as a believer <laughs> and be like, hey, no, I, I actually, you know, this is what I believe and this is something on social media. But then also to out, like, I, I believe in that so much, I'm going to step into this full time. I'm pretty extreme, actually. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm one of those guys, yeah, you know, right. and and I think that can be a step of faith. But it, I, I totally agree that it can't be the only thing you do, yeah. right? It, I think it can be a useful tool, but it's a tool on the tool belt. It's not the main tool or the only one. Yeah. The only okay. one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, that's a great point because any of these tools, even the face-to-face one-on-one appointment, isn't like the gold standard of it's going to work every time. It's just another tool in a tool belt of seeking the Father and seeking Mm. out Mm. partners, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so something else that Dr. Shadrach said that stood out to me was just around, you know, he— he expressed that he used to do a lot of fundraising workshops, but inevitably at every workshop, somebody would come up with their kind of unique set of circumstances or um, their unique burdens that they they felt like disqualified them or that made it too difficult. And he just acknowledged that he really didn't think circumstances were necessarily the key to success or failure. I'm curious what you guys think about that. Mm. Yeah, there, there's a really interesting conversation to have around that. And yeah, I, th- I think maybe I do agree with Steve that the circumstances around your fundraising and around your network maybe don't necessarily impact whether God has called you or whether you will be fully funded at one point. Mm-hmm. But man, I really think that it affects the difficulty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Just knowing friends who, some of them, because their communities were used to fundraising, their their churches were used to fundraising and, and people doing that, mm-hmm. that it happened in three months. Mm-hmm. And that was more my story. And then sure. I also have friends and, and know people who took, it took three years to be fully funded. Yeah. Um, and we're not talking about different, you know, kind of the same amount and, and I, I just think that the the temptation could be just, oh, well, was the other person being lazy or not putting in all the effort and the elbow grease? And really, I think it comes down to the different backgrounds and networks they're from um, and, and, and how that can be a factor yeah. in the difficulty, I think, there. Sure. Well, absolutely. I mean, there can be many reasons that somebody's background or network might vary widely from someone else's, whether that's ethnic considerations, whether that's just different cultural or experiential circumstances. They're, um, yeah. they're a new believer yeah. and maybe they don't have a, a, you know, they started going to church for the first time. Totally. Right. Recently. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, you, you said so much of your, at least from your perspective, so Absolutely. much of your success was from the fact that you had this network of people that were already bought into your family's ministry in this world. Right. And so that was an incredible circumstance in your favor. But yeah, Andy, like you said, if somebody didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up believing, is maybe new in their friend group mm-hmm. to believing, that's that's a very different set of circumstances. Or even their own church just has a very different view on what's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, a different every church is a little bit different. So if they're part of a denomination that is very passionate about reaching their own city for Christ, well... It just means that your vision doesn't quite align. There's nothing wrong with that. That's mm-hmm. just, a, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, um, and I don't want to use the word victim 
uh, but uh, of circumstance in, in that case. And I think what he's trying to get at is he doesn't want it to, us to use it as an excuse yeah. for fundraising. But I do think we need to acknowledge the reality that it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Well, because even to go back to something we highlighted earlier, there's still a reason that you know the people that you know. It's not like, yeah. oh, you got the bad egg network or something, or you, yeah. you got the network that's just not going to show up for you. Maybe maybe that network is going to support you differently than you would have thought, but there's a reason that the people around you are around you, and maybe that's not to ultimately financially contribute, but there, but there is a reason. Yeah. And so I would encourage people, you know, even if you do find yourself, for example, in a church that maybe financially supports more local work and you feel called overseas or, or vice versa or whatever, mm-hmm. just because that's the case doesn't mean you shouldn't still cast vision. Even if it's not to the end of funding, even in the casting vision, even in the mobilizing, even in the planting a seed, Mm -hmm. there could be purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. far down the line. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And I I think, you know, maybe if we had had pushed back on Steve when he was here too, he would have said, oh, yeah, 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 of course. But um, yeah. I think the main takeaway, right, being that you don't want to use your circumstances to be a crutch into that's why I'm not hitting the mark or that's what I'm not getting to that point. But with the acknowledgement of there are realities around different circumstances that, that really increase or decrease the difficulty. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had the golden ticket in that realm of there were so many people that joined my fundraising team that knew me that had been giving to my parents' ministry for several years and were excited to do the same for me. And that's not always the case for everyone, right? right? I think this is a topic that we it really warrants more consideration, more discussion. Um, we need to dig into it deeper. More, We need to give it more time than we have today. Oh, absolutely. And and we plan to. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a curriculum Stay coming. Stay tuned. And, yeah, <laughs> and a series on this. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, just kind of wrapping us up, was there anything you guys wanted to say in closing? Why is this important? What are you taking away? I think there are so many different things as I've written down as takeaways from um, listening to Steve share about fundraising. But I, I think I keep coming back to that idea of fundraising being a chance to minister and to mobilize your network, like that being such a paradigm shift for going into those meetings and and contacting those people. It's, you know, shifting the focus from it's not about I need to get this money right for the certain way, but how can I be ministering to these people? How can I be casting vision for God's plan and what God is doing Mm -hmm. and and joining him in that is, is such a cool paradigm shift. Yeah. And I think for me, just stepping back, I, I always appreciate uh, how Steve emphasizes the the preeminence of scripture and the importance of uh, really being rooted in the Bible as you're processing your own fundraising journey and knowing that this isn't arbitrary. There are really good principles behind why we do things the way that we do. And I think also we can get lost in the weeds of the details of how we do things and how we set up meetings and how we follow through. But I think the ultimate filter is how can I glorify God in my fundraising process? So that that stands out to me. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew, again, for joining us today and discussing Dr. Shadrach's episode. In closing, I just want to encourage all of our listeners to remember, you know, as Steve said, there is no perfect technique. As we hope you've heard us say over and over God is fully aware of where he's placed you and what he's called you to, and he has purposes in this journey. And we hope you're encouraged to just remember that he is faithful. Amen. 
Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Until next time. It's Not About the Money is presented by Provisio Fundraising Solutions. Provisio equips support-based workers with flexible training, practical resources, and one-on-one coaching. Find out more at provisiofundraising.com.